Kenny Podcast, episode 763. Wait, is that right? Yeah, 763. Yeah, probably just like 1 million billion. Anything over like 700 at this point sounds about right. A lot of episodes. A lot. How are you, Sus? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing well. We, you're going to hate this, but we had our first (laughs) pow day and we went skiing for the first time, snowboarding. Uh, So it's like amazing that like it's not even Thanksgiving yet and... Yeah, what is like the official, isn't there like an official day that it opens or something? Each mountain's different. They do it based on the snow. Oh, that's what I wonder. There was one run that was open. It was just insane. Oh, really? It was like a traffic. It was hilarious. And people are just zooming by. Why do they only open one though? What are we doing? Because there's not enough snow coverage on the mountain and it's just one run where they blew snow. They do like the man-made snow to fill in the gaps this but seems it was, dangerous it was so fun well like it's great what if you what if you run into somebody that is something that i saw happen <laughs> twice that day you definitely have to look out and it's the people who don't know what obviously like the yes, noobs that's who don't I'm know scared. what they're doing and yeah. then it's the dumbass like 21 to 24 year old guy who's really good who forgets that this is the everybody's first day of the season and is just like going off jumps and just where they make just yeah calm down ruckus, hooligan oh, i do not like a you commotion know? no me all. either so i don't like that that i was like mm. i felt like an old lady when i was like no too fast sir good sarah not okay i Slow want you it to down. police those slopes i, I am but good it was wonderful <laughs> yeah once i saw you were out there i'm like oh no do i have to mute them already yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. you better so you better get that mute button, mute finger ready. <laughs> yeah, I do wish because you know how on the site formerly known as Twitter, you could mute like topics. So yeah, I muted words. like the Kardashian stuff oh, like that. Yeah, because it's too much. Who, who needs that? It's too much. Right, but I you mute, can't like, do reality that. TV stuff because like they don't know. Right. I unfollow every single person on there, not because I don't like them as people, but because I like don't need any more challenge stuff in my life. And then Twitter and Instagram, all social media still wants to suggest this to me because they don't know the difference between me liking reality TV and being on reality Mm -hmm. TV. And I think they see who's in your phone contacts. Oh. They're like, this gal loves reality people. Boy, are they wrong. Gosh, it's like the, the, we so willingly like accept, add, put this in our phone, like add this number, da, da, da. I, the lengths I had to go to, (laughs) to remove an ex-boyfriend's birthday from my Google and it was like. For real, it was on your calendar, you mean? Yes. And you couldn't get it off. They were acting like it was a holiday. Oh, it was deep, deeply embedded in there. Like <laughs> I had to go to the con- go to my contacts, delete his birthday Ugh. from my contacts, clear the contact, delete all the like. There were multiple steps. I don't love it. I don't love it either. They really need their. We have a trouble for freaking everything, and we don't have like a. There needs to be like a breakup app that's like. <laughs> this yeah. all this person's info this is, is a great idea bye-bye that could blocked. be your shark tank idea you know how i'm gonna make silent windshield wipers 
Yes, we talked about that. You can make the breakup app. The breakup app. Now I have to that do would be very handy. Code. <laughs> Step one. Step one. That's okay. How do I turn on the computer? If anyone can do it, it's you. (laughs) Oh, God. I have to tell you, since I'm laughing so hard, I cannot tell you how many emails, more than we have ever in our careers as podcasters. Recently, we have gotten so many messages about people just saying, like, thanks for being hilarious and being a break, like, from... You know, you know what goes on outside of the studio <laughs> that we do not discuss <laughs> because people are you know having troubles it's wild out there it's wild wild it's so, like you opening know. day on the slopes except yeah. way worse consequences and, yes absolutely and everybody's going fast and oh god yeah mm-hmm. so i well, think you should know people appreciate your hilarity and levity well, I, thanks. It's so I, nice. I appreciate all of you listeners. I've just, you know, decided to be like, whatevs. Yeah, and, you got to whatevs it. And, you know, the more you know, the more you don't know. So we're all just like. Peace, love, dope in it over here. Dummies over here. <laughs> <laughs> but we're fine with it. Totally, totally fine. Yes. Did you see on my Insta story, the rave review, I gave the Yogi Berra documentary? Oh, I did. Yes. I want to talk about it. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. First of all, which came first? The man. Okay. That's adorable. It's adorable. Yogi Berra was named after Yogi Berra, a baseball player. And that, there's a great camp song about Yogi Berra, so. Sing it. Uh. I got a friend that you may know, Yogi, Yogi. I got a friend that you may know, Yogi, Yogi Bear. Do you mean Camtown Races? Uh, it's they changed it. <laughs> they they all live the in Jellystone, Jelly, Jelly. They all live in Jellystone, Jelly, Jellystone. Oh, Yogi has oh. a little friend, Boo Boo, Boo Boo. Yogi has a little friend, Boo 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 Bear. Boo 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 Bear. Whoa, okay. Boo Boo Bear. <laughs> Yogi has a little friend, Boo 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 Bear. Yogi has a oh, girlfriend, God. Cindy. There's Cindy. more? Well, there's a lot of bears. Holy Just heck. Cindy and, that's it, Yogi and, and, <laughs> and Boo-Boo. Try, watch me. What, not watch me. What, mark my words. This song will end up on TikTok or Instagram in about three to five Viral years. Hit. There will be a hit. We will have a remake of Yogi. It'll probably be like some live action Scooby-Doo kind of thing. I know they already did that, but it'll do it better because it's probably been 20 years. <clears throat> this is how it goes. Yeah, yes. you heard it here first. You heard it here. Predicted on the show. Okay, back to our okay, documentary. Okay, back to the real man, Yogi Berra, baseball player for New York Yankees. Um, well, as you know, I hate sports, but I love right. sports documentaries. The most. But if I had to pick a sport, I really love baseball because, you know, Field of Dreams. My favorite movie of all time, Kevin Costner. Okay, you may say that I just say whatever and you can't predict it, but you're like, you know, because Field of Dreams, like I'm supposed to know that. It's like, you know, I I love boxing because, you know, Rocky. (laughs) That is my second topic today. I know, that's why I picked that. That's so funny and also true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, so God, that's great. Yeah. Baseball is fun because it's baseball, a sport you get to watch, but also not watch at the same time. Yeah. And it's all about sort of nostalgia. It's very wholesome Americana. 
I remember when I went to my first game and learned that the seven inning stretch is an actual physical stretch you yes. do. I thought it was like an amount of time. They were just saying like, oh, I thought it was like kind of like hump day, like Wednesday is like <laughs> a long day. In the middle. I was like, seven inning. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like we're probably like ready to go. And it's like a little stretch. just like feels longer. But then people got up and I was like, wait, you actually stretch? This is the cutest thing in the world. Well, and this imagine like my Sarah delight about baseball. that you have to, you're sitting so long that you have to like force yourself to get up. This is Your my kind of sport. Thing. Yeah, right. I am all in. Oh. So here's why I love it. And you will too. It's just a special story because Yogi Berra, you probably know what he's famous for, which is his yogiisms. So he says things that don't make any sense, but then like they do, where mm. it's like this weird. He, he's known for saying these things. Like, he's the guy that coined the phrase, it ain't over till it's over. Oh, well. Where it's I mean, like, you know, but it doesn't over. make sense, but right. it does. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course it's not over till it's over, but, but it's not know. over till it's, it's over. It's not over till it's over. Right. And he said, Wow, like, could you imagine coining the phrase, it ain't over till it's over? I know. That's like inventing the circle. <laughs> That's exactly like that. Why didn't we invent a frame? I'm so upset about it. Like nothing. I know what you're saying. Why? There's still time though. We'll start working. We'll workshop some workshops. <laughs> he said like, um, it's deja vu all over again. What? I love that one too. You're kidding. You love Yogi Berra. You didn't even know it. I, I honestly, I did not know that he had any of those phrases. Yes. Okay. This is, I should see this. So here's the problem, he's though. adorable, right? He's so adorable. Yes. Mm-hmm. His real name's Lorenzo. He's like an Italian guy, but he looked like a little Buddha when he would wait to go to bat. So they called him Yogi when he was a kid. And then it just stuck. But what's sad is that he became so famous for his sort of personality and he was so lovable and he was very kind and gentle and said funny things that like people forgot that he was really good at baseball. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And this like happens. so... His grandkids like want to solve that, even though it's a cool thing to be known for your personality like you're just too. Like such a great guy, that yeah. But I think that was the intention. Was like this ain't right. They had this all these is like, like the opposite side of. What, I want to say Daryl Strawberry, but it's not Daryl Strawberry. Nope, it's the not him. It's the one who had a bunch of. Uh, uh, oh, start to the C. Okay. The. Ba- basketball player Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain. This is the this is the well, like, you know, positive side of <laughs> right that. Instead of being for, like horny, right, you're famous for right. being really sweet yeah. and lovely. And I bet people out there are like Daryl Strawberry works too. He's famous for narcotics instead of what you know. And so no, that wasn't what I was. <laughs> yeah, he's with, a pastor but. now. Oh. Yeah, just there you go. I, I know way more about baseball than I thought. Yeah. I also know a lot about um, wild grain bread. If oh, you'd like me to know too. anything about that. I ate half a loaf. <laughs> Stop. But you know what? It's fine because I didn't even have a tum-tum because it's got all that good fiber and none of the crap. Yeah, slow but fermented. Look, I made a delicious pasta that was very saucy and i had so much sauce oh, left so over and it was like part. a oh t- like i had wh- what am i gonna like not soak Wait. up all that delicious sauce with bread obviously obviously no carb left behind and no yes. sauce left behind yes 
here's what they will send you to your door. Breads, pastas, pastries, everything that you could ever bake up yes. and eat. And it's delicious. And it comes frozen. And then you just take it out whenever you want to eat it. And in no time flat, you're eating like fresh baked, delicious bread. And now you can fully customize your wild grain box. So you can get any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries you like. If you want a box of all bread, all pasta, all pastries, you can have it. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash brainkidney to start your subscription. You heard us, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash brainkidney. That's wildgrain.com slash brainkidney, or you can use promo code brainkidney at checkout. Yes. If you get that box and get those croissants and you don't think that they're the best ever, go ahead and... and Take a picture of the one that you find that's better than that. Because <laughs> yeah. I, we'll I have, yeah, well, I'll wait, really, because <laughs> I've been to all the best bakeries in Denver and none of them beat that. Yeah. That's so fact. We're just telling you, you're chasing the wind on that yes. one. Okay. Anyway, it's great and it's very heartwarming and I cried. And oh, um, I love a good sports doc. <gasps> oh, what? I have one that you should watch. Okay. That I thought was really good. It was called The River, two, The River runner the river runner yes and it is about a it was really it was good and it was interesting it's uh it was about uh kayakers like kayakers who who what they call run the river which is you know just like go down these insane rivers and there's a place in Tibet where rivers flow in all four directions. They're starting at the mountain. There's a river that flows north and one that flows south and one that flows east and one that flows west. And they're like on a quest to conquer all four of these rivers. And it's just like man versus nature and man okay. versus himself kind of stuff, which is great. And then the other one was called Race to the Summit, I think it was. And okay. major controversy, and I need you to watch it. Well, so I you smell can trouble see. because this sounds like an Everest situation. Yes, it is. Okay. And now, and I'm not even sure if the guy who claims that he made it to the top actually made it to the top. The only thing worse than trying to do these right. extreme sporting things is to pretend you're doing them. I freaking agree, and I, I think the documentary hinted that he did cheat. And he didn't make it. What a fucking douchebag. I know. I think I so hate too. you. Yeah. These, I don't know. Guys... I'll give these a try, but I generally no, watch don't them. like quests. I don't it's like not quests. A que- it's not, que- it's more, <laughs> it's not quest. It's like, I don't love feats of look strength. Look at this. No, it's not like that either. It's, it's, it, it's kind of like, I think why you like the sports, like what we're, we're like not passion. talking about. Alpining or alpineering or whatever mountaineering. Right. We're we're talking about two people's competitive drive and what really matters right. and what because it's not about them. It and it also feels like it relates to in a weird way, like the challenge and stuff. Yeah, I hear like that. like what becomes more important? Everybody knowing that you made it to the top and right. Like, the glory yes. or the accomplishment. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. Because you know how you talk about how when you ask people their, what they're proudest of, it's never yes. like their car or, never. you know, some dumb thing mm. that they bought or whatever. Right. But it's something they earned. But then I do think there can be like where what part of what people get into is like the praise that they might get yes. for stuff. So that's a fine line right there, huh? Yeah. It's really interesting. Like it... Mm-hmm. It's worth a watch because I want to discuss it. Yeah, yeah, you. I hear you. All right, I'll watch it. You know, especially yeah. at the end. Well, and the so, River Runner. Eli really enjoyed that one too. Did Adam you, and Lincoln like those. Well, and p- that's part of why I love the Yogi one is because it he reminded me of Adam. Oh, and a- Adam gets like a shit on all the time because he's really s- just kind and gentle. And he always says, like, don't mistake my kindness for weakness. Because a lot of men in particular yeah. do. And Weak I don't do. like it. Yeah. And so anyway, I like that Yogi is that kind of a guy. And, you know, that they're trying to make sure everyone knows he's he's also really great at baseball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah. Okay. Did you watch that Stallone documentary? No, not yet. You just Sly. knew that I was going to? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, I did. You were right. He's so cute. You think? Not like older, obviously, because he's had some work done, and I don't like that. But mm-hmm. I think when he was young, I do. There's something about him yeah. that I like. Okay, well, apparently a lot of people did, because, you know, back I think he was a sex symbol back then, right? Yeah. I, I, You know, even though Joe Rogan said this about him, what he likes in women, I say this. I would same goes for. I want a guy who looks like he could help me move a couch. Joe said that about a about yeah, his he, type he, of he woman. He said he likes a sturdy woman. He wants oh. somebody who looks like she could help him move a couch. And I was like, oh, that, that's I could do that. <laughs> you have the same type as I Joe have the Rogan. Same type as Joe Rogan, <laughs> and I may be his type actually. <laughs> right. I'm sturdy. Well, so, yeah. So Slice looks like he's like moving a couch, and it's like a different than like can it's like wants to and yeah. is willing to and then will also ne- di- like help m- maneuver like he's running the show so i feel that vibe from him i should have predicted that you would find him attractive because he does have a kenny santucci vibe oh from the yes challenge. very much and you know we love kenny yeah like that well, i guess stallone is italian i mean this yeah. is obvious right okay yeah. and it's sort of like that dum dum look like they look like the, he has like ceiling eyes you know where they're like kind of up top oh yeah 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 i know what you mean yeah <laughs> anyway and he's kind of like hey guys like, well, guys. That's for sure. <laughs> like you're like yeah. oh my gosh i want to cook for you right what is that about i want to do your laundry <laughs> why Something biological and weird. Yeah, because he's like a caveman, and he would like protect you, yeah, and then you would okay, feed him. Okay, that's probably it. This, that's it. Yeah, yeah that's it. That's well, it. Well, so of course, naturally, I'm going to be comparing the Arnold documentary to the Stallone documentary yes, because these are, you know, contemporaries. They were very competitive with each other. They were always trying to outdo each other, and so like I wondered whether I would love it. And it's a totally different vibe. The similarity is that weirdly, neither of their like women or kids were in either one, which I thought was strange. Like you know how they interview people. Yeah, it doesn't so much Stallone have like a lot of kids and like hot daughters. Yeah, yeah, beautiful daughters, and 
his wife, Jennifer, is very beautiful, and they've been together a really long time. Oh, I love that. I love when I hear that. Oh, yeah. That's but so good. They weren't in that, but the difference is hmm. these are men in their 70s looking back on their life, and in Arnold's case, is why I love it, he's very much about like, like his legacy and wanting to continue doing good work and like making a difference and like being inspiring. Mm -hmm. And Sylvester is full of regret. (gasps) And it was sad. And that's hard for me. And I need you to like help me deal with it. (laughs) What do you mean? What do you mean? What does he regret besides the plastic surgery? (laughs) like all these fillers. I mean, I, I, that, I, I would start there. I would like, it feels like that. I like so, though that he acknowledges that he looks weird. Like he's not like oh, he thinking did? he's hot stuff. Okay. Yeah. He shouldn't have done that. He should like men just don't just everybody stop. He had a terrible upbringing. His father was physically abusive oh, and no. it, it's the worst I've ever heard somebody share oh, in terms no. of like parental abuse and he was like writing these characters, which is remember when I called him the Shakes, the modern day yes. Shakespeare because of I pity the fool. Yes, but I mean there is something to the fact that he was writing all these movies and and when you say the actual full sentence of I pity the fool that like like it does sound Shakespearean and poetic. So <laughs> like I, we've we, this was a past episode. If you're like what the fuck is Susie talking about? I'm telling you, we looked up the script. We looked at like, <laughs> like who, who came credited up with it? that. It was a whole thing, and so like it really did sound Shakespearean. So yeah. I'm giving I'm, I'm making sure that people know. I also need to know who it is that invented relief band because oh my God, talk that. about genius. Uh, here's uh, I had kind of like a dumb, dumb aha moment, I guess. What? I was like, okay, I get it. When I'm driving in the car, when you're on a boat, motion sickness, I use it for that. I use it for motion sickness in the car. Like, like I'm That's not great. going on a windy road without it. I did not realize that you could just use it. If you have a upset stomach or nausea yeah any other time right it is very good for when i'm experiencing pain in a way that gives me nausea hello right all your issues yes yeah that's great oh it helps all nausea stuff yeah hangovers morning sickness yes bad belly what whatever Place. I know. Miracle. So Mir- actual relief miracle. band. You're doing the Lord's work. This would be a great stocking stuffer. I'm just saying. It's natural, fast acting. You just wear it around your wrist. Drug free, non drowsies, no side effects. I don't know. Miracle. So if you want to cure your Actually, nausea none. problem fast, check out Relief Band. Right now we've got an exclusive offer just for brain candy listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code CANDY, you'll receive twenty percent off plus free shipping. So head to R E L I E F B A N D dot com and use our promo code CANDY for twenty percent off plus free shipping. Oh, mm-hmm. by the way, before I forget, I know you folks like a warning. I have an interview at the end of this. Oh episode with the director of last stop larima oh my god best documentary i've seen in ages and ages so, so good yes yeah, so just warning you that will be happening later people like australian to know he is, is american he? his parents are oh, australian okay thought we yeah. were gonna like get treated to an australian accent <laughs> no just old usa vibe but yes 
still a delight. Okay. So anyway, Stallone, I think, you know, that thing that people do when they're damaged from their childhood, where they're constantly trying to earn. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I believe I know what you're referring to. Yeah. How much time you got? (laughs) They are always sort of unconsciously probably seeking the uh, acceptance and validation and totally yes, 100% I told and it doesn't matter cuz I'm thinking that that he still hears the internal messages that were were driven into his head as You're a child enough. yep and yeah they, yet and he said that him. he's very self-aware and he says <sighs> I think a lot of times people like me will start seeking like praise from you know success and people around you and you make a hit movie and you've got ladies or whatever telling you how yeah. great you are. Yeah. But he said it's insatiable and I would do anything to get rid of it, but I can't. Yeah. And so I'm sure a lot of the regret stems from that. Cause if you're focused on like movies, you're right. not with your kids and right. he had a son that died uh, and stuff uh, like that. Yeah, man. Okay. I could see the regret coming in there of, so this is this is what I work with clients on. This yeah, is tell what me. I work myself. Like, what with, is the cure? Myself, cure me quick. When we look for others to yeah define who we should be, what we should be, how, your value, our worth. Yes, yeah. it is chasing the wind because it is like looking to a crowd to determine your favorite ice cream flavor. Everybody's answer is going to be different. Everybody's going to be like, no, this is the best. No, this is the best. No, this is the best. And at the end of the day, it's just you who has to really decide because you're the one who has to eat the fucking ice cream. Like, and it's the same thing for life. Like you can look for validation and, and confirmation that you are enough from everybody, but one person's enough will be different than another person's will be. And none of that actually satisfies you. And and you have to decide what is enough for you. What do you think it is about humans that makes us all want to be sure that we are enough? Like I'm not, I'm pretty sure animals aren't generally dealing with this. What is our problem? It has to be. So there's like, there's a bell curve of anxiety and stress. And if you look at performance on one side and anxiety and stress on the other, I'm going to draw it right now. I okay. some, and if you have the video version of this, enjoy. <laughs> and so it's like, there's, it goes like this. It's like a bell curve. And then this is like my very simple yeah. drawing of it. Mm-hmm. So in that center part of the bell curve, that middle part there, that's like the usable functional anxiety, the amount of stress and the amount of worry that's just right about like other people like going, oh, like it's, it's things like, oh, like, I live with other people. I better flush the toilet. Like, social pressure. Yeah. And, those yeah. kind of stress or whatever it is, or like, you know, uh, I don't want people to be mad at yeah, me. I better want to be... get here on time. <laughs> right. Whatever it is. Yeah. You know? And or I, w- I won't yell in the middle of a, a auditorium because I, whatever. The world that we live in has created so, has pushed us into this is place of stress 
and anxiety that becomes no longer function. Like we're not able to function. The functioning goes down. Mm -hmm. So in order to increase functioning, we're at the point where we have to like reduce stress and reduce the things that make us feel like not enough. And Mm -hmm. that's usually things like social media and uh, advertising and, uh, uh, you know, like consumerism, consumers, yeah. like the right. news and just things that are making you feel like not like less than because they benefit from that in some way, keeping you cooked on there. And so the, the cure is to get away from those things that tell you you're not enough. And the, and first of all, step one, identify what's the story, where do the messages come from? Oh, I should do this and this and this. Says who? Well, says what I see on social media. I should have a bra with built-in nipples. Fuck off with that. (laughs) Social media says so. Okay. So I want to not feel the should pressure from social media. I got to reduce that. I got to limit that for my life. In a way, it's like setting a boundary with like a parent or a relative who's like, you should be this. You should be this. You should be that. You wouldn't fucking call them. You wouldn't hang out. You wouldn't talk to them. So you set that boundary there. And then by reducing the, those, that stress and that pressure, we can move into a place of more functional anxiety. Yeah. Okay. That's good advice. It's true though. And it's such a big problem. It drives a huge percentage of human behavior and human dysfunctional behavior. If and you are looking for a therapist, I am currently taking clients in the California area for individual, couple, family, all that. And this is like, we can even do like a couple, you know, one or two sessions. We just like bang, 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 do this in right. like a little chart just for you. Turbo. Identify the things. Yeah. Some Speed people think therapy. like therapy has to be like, oh, I'm like in it for a long time. Nah, sometimes you can just be like, I need assistance writing this all out, personalized. Here we go. Okay. We'll get they- it. They'd be lucky to have you. Yeah, there you go. That's what I know. But I don't know that whenever I see someone with regret, it really moves me. Yeah. Because it's such a painful thing to experience and you can't go back. And what are you going to do about it? Right. And he, from all appearances, it seems like he's just kind of of stuck in it. And I think that can come from like not resolving whatever it was that his dad did. What a jerk that guy was. Anyway. And it's it's really hard when you get validation from such a big audience that feels so good. So it feels like that's where I should continue to put my energy Mm -hmm. when really it, it's like, like you said, like the, it was time away from his family that that probably felt dangerous because in the past family was dangerous for him. Right. Violence. So he would have to, so what, obviously you're running, think your default brain is going, which one do I go for? Tons of validation over here and support my family financially, or this thing that feels really scary that I would have to manage a bunch mm-hmm. of feelings through. Uh, uh-uh, I'm doing the, uh, I'm doing the other. Mm-hmm. And then you look back and you're like, Oh shit, I should have. That wasn't. I like when people share that though, because I do think it's relatable and it really does take him off that pedestal of like Rocky or Rambo or whatever. This is just like a guy who's, you know, you think Arnold has regrets in the same way. I know that he regrets what happened with, 
um, him having a child with someone other than Maria during his marriage. Um, but mm. definitely not like, I don't think he regrets like anything about missing where, family life. Or something. Right. Where he put his energy and what, yeah. He does say that when he was governor that they were like, um, why aren't you at my soccer games and stuff? But he looks at it from his childhood and is like, you have so much. Right. You're Kennedy's. Right. Zip it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You have the <laughs> yeah. resources. And maybe he's like helping others, you know, in that sense. I as do well. think that's Not pretty cool self. if you have a parent modeling how to be useful on a like a bigger scale. Yeah. But I guess it's about balance. Mm. Any hoodles, I recommend it if you're into that sort of thing. Um, how about this? A brainiac sent me this today and I was cracking up. The, the headline was, it took a team of female scientists to find the snake clitoris. <laughs> what? I have so many questions. <laughs> it was, I was like, click. I have got to see this. So the sort of subtitle was a quote from somebody in the article. And I and believe it's, it's pronounced clitoris. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Good one. The, the subtitle just said, it was a combination of not knowing what to look for and not wanting to, as far as like the male. Please, yeah. the male scientists barely want to search for actual human clitorises. Clitori? I don't know. Clitori. They, they're definitely giving up on where the snakes is. Please. All right. Let me do my job and then I will tell you where they found it. Um <laughs> I'll tell you where you can find my AG1, and that is in my kitchen and in my stomach because every morning we have a routine and we get those vitamins on the go, baby. I've been back at it. Okay, good. I'm back on the train. You were a backslider. Yep. Back on. And now I like do it very with like a lot of like like show like very showy (laughs) about it. I'm like very performative. Yes, very performative drinking. I'm like. Eli, I hope you see me drinking my drink, drink, being super healthy. And it feels good to like be braggy like that. Yeah. Well, you should brag because she's getting prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, vitamins, supplements, whatever, everything your body wants and craves. You can get first thing in the morning or whenever you want, whenever you remember. And you will thank us. AG1 is the supplement we trust to provide our body it's daily needs and that's why they've been our partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash brain candy. That's drinkag1.com slash brain candy. Check it out. And you can always look for all of our partners on our website. Mm-hmm. I just updated that last week. So <gasps> yeah. they should all be there. I've been shopping like a fiend on there. I know. It's like so handy and it's so helpful to us. So please do. Thank you for everyone that already does. Yes. Um, Okay. So these gals, these researchers wanted to get to the bottom of it, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, the male researchers thought that these items on their bodies were scent glands or... Oh, it gets oh, worse. Or what? Underdeveloped penises. No! Which, okay, okay. I mean, wow. It's just classic. And then women were like, no. 
fucking idiot. We know exactly what this is. We have one. Oh, I've seen that. We don't even have the right anatomy parts on. We talked about this on things we got wrong. We don't even have the right anatomy parts labeled in in human clitoral anatomy books. Right? Oh my gosh, Sarah, at the end of this article, it said, oh, like, by the way, I don't even know why they put it in here, but it said, anyway, also, it turns out that women have 20% more nerve endings down there than they were thought to, hold on, I quoted it, Okay. Um, based on the research on cows. So, yeah, good work, everybody. Yeah. (laughs) I mean... Can we get a little bit of attention over here? I did find myself defending them, though, briefly, because, like, it was it was attributing all of it to patriarchy and sexism. And I, I have to say, they are harder to find than penises. <laughs> this is this is correct. But it's it's the assumption that that's like if if there were. If you saw a, a a snake that had, I don't know, a part of the ear that looked like a human part, you'd be like, oh, that's, that's in the same place. That's probably <laughs> similar to this. But the fact that they, they totally <laughs> don't even. Right. They don't consider it. Consider it. Yeah. Is it like, doesn't occur to them. That's the problem. Yeah, you're right. It's like, usually we have the problem of, of over personifying. Humifying <laughs> is not a word. That was almost hilarious and adorable. So it was like what a hum- humidifier does to a room. <laughs> it's like a greenhouse effect right there. <laughs> Personify. But you like have the problem of like over personification when it comes to animals. And this is like, we've managed to dehumanize a snake even more like like yeah. away from being a woman even more like we we are more familiar with snakes than we are with female anatomy is what that tells me maybe because the snake is so um what's that word that means penis phallic the, phallic oh they just that they, they didn't even can't. think that it was like yeah like if it were a peach yeah <laughs> or something that is speaking associated. of this is like a totally aside but i have to share this because it popped in my mind I'm shopping for Christmas gifts, and I thought a fun one for my friends who bake would be these little, like, um, bread basket warmers that oh. you put in, you, like, they're terracotta, you put in the oven, they heat up, and oh, then you yeah. put them in. Yeah. Like, how adorable is that, right? Yeah. So fun. The images that you could choose from are, it says bread, oh, no. or it's a lighthouse. <laughs> Stop! Everybody's getting dick bread warmers this year. Because, come on, a lighthouse, you didn't, there's no other image that you could cut. And then I think there's another one that's a kitty cat. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Bread warming company. This is, I will send you the link. It is so, I was like. They're not even being subtle. Not at all. I'm like, my options are pussy or lighthouse dick. (laughs) I mean, I'm buying this for my lesbian friend, so obviously the pussy, but. (laughs) If I have to choose. If I have to choose. Wow, that is... Isn't that like the last thing? Like, See, that's the kind of stuff you need to dip- put on your Insta like, story. I live for that. Okay, I've also realized that I need to do that because things that I think are like, oh, who wants to watch this? I'm realizing I'm watching people 
content creators make stuff that I'm like, why am I? Uh, I'm yeah, because you're like hours you of this. The same. It's very and funny. I, people would like to see this. So get ready. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> get ready for some for phallic some dick, bread. Dick pics, sort of. <laughs> yeah. When you see it, you're going to be like, that's a penis in a bread bowl. <laughs> they should have one that's like Dick Cheney, like, one that's an eggplant. And, and also, there's like two companies that make these online. They're, it's not like this is a. a, a this is like the only company right. that does this it. This is the artwork. This is it. This yeah. is it. And then I, I, no joke, after that, Googled terracotta clay. Because I was like, I will make Wait my own. Then <laughs> I'm going to piss Sarah's getting a potter's wheel. <laughs> yeah, this is the ADHD That's what I'll get problem. you for Christmas. Yeah. Oh, my God. Stop. That's so funny. Okay. That is, I don't even know. We got off. We were talking uh, about penises. We're talking about snakes. We're I talking know, about phallic like, stuff. Bread Bring it basket. back. Bring it back. Okay. 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 So it's what's weird is snakes not only have a clitoris, they have two. It's <gasps> called yeah. It's called a those hemi- lucky bitches. I know. Save some for the rest. Couldn't you make <laughs> one of them an arm or something? Like, like it's okay, like wait, they put it hang all on a second. Zero legs, but two clitoris. <laughs> Seems a bit much. Yeah. You know. But okay. So what's crazy is that the men. <laughs> have two wieners i guess it's the same thing like a hemi oh, something it's wait. a cut in half kind of deal well have you this seen their tongues wrong. this makes sense <gasps> yeah maybe it's like that okay but here's the craziest part of all <laughs> they were like the tongue split so they can lick each of them at the same time <laughs> that's what i was thinking and i don't think you got it <laughs> no i didn't i, I got you were it just so like, their tongue split yeah. so they could be like Take care of both. I mean, what a waste if you only have one. Sarah, but like, I actually think it might be true. What? Tell me why. Oh, wait. No. Because <laughs> actually, are there any other... Susie, I'm going to go ahead right. and say Sarah has a theory here. Are there any other animals that have split tongues? Right. Are there any other animals that have two penises the and two... Right. If this isn't an argument for why... Everybody should Intelligent be design. given. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. This is like my joke of like, why do gorillas have big nostrils? Because they have big fingers. So <laughs> why do tongues have, have split, split tongues? Because they got two penises. <laughs> the better to lick them with. Okay, focus. Listen, I'm sorry, so, but that that sounds like science. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, Kara McSweeney's going to be like rage <laughs> typing to us. <laughs> She's All our zookeeper like, friend. Oh, for fuck's sake. <clears throat> okay. Did I call her Tara? It's Kara. Anyway. No, you, you were right. You said Kara. So evidently their hemipenises or whatever they're called have like barbed wire around them or whatever. They have like spikes and stuff. I, yes. I've heard yeah. this about ducks' penises, I think, and cats too. They're like, mm. Yeah. Right. So like... The researchers were trying to figure out, like, why do they have these clitorises, which is always an annoying question for me. It's just like, why do you ask that? Just let them be. <laughs> let them live and enjoy their lives. But anyway, they're like, you know, basically they might need a lot of lube and stuff to deal with the spines and hooks that are on the... What? C- come on. So real, what, what, what Okay. So you've got to, they've, but that, that Because it'll be stimulate a, the production of lubrication. I think that's what they said. 
that feels more like it one's a fail safe. Like if one doesn't work, the other one works because if it were just more, then they would just have more glands, like more secretion. Not no, they too were wondering. No, they were wondering why they have any. Oh, I see. And they're saying they because they oh. need so much lube. Because these guys have hook penises or whatever. Well, now we need to go on the lookout for clitorises and other animals. Yeah, we have. We need more information. This is like you know the the guys who were. Here's what we need to do. We need to get the guys who are jacking off the turtles with the vibrators together <laughs> with the people who are trying to find the clitoris and. Yeah, I'll put it all on film and. They are hidden this. by a flap. They could only find them during dissection. Okay, a clitoral hood. This makes sense. Yeah, right. We know well, yeah, what these right. are. Familiar. Got it. And like, <laughs> but through by dissection, yeah, unless you are turning it on, same. The, yeah. <laughs> I hate that I have so much in common with a snake. <laughs> I know. Sarah and I had a lot in common when we were in Denver because we were both wearing our Honey Love pants. Yes, we did. We mm-hmm. wore those to our sound bath. It was very nice. Yeah, listen, didn't I have the greatest idea? Because as you may have seen, I um, when we went out on the town, oh, yes, I was you did. wearing very cute like um, slacks. Yeah, you were trousers. wearing wide leg trousers. Yes, high waisted. But it was freaking freezing. Right. So I put my Honey Love leggings on underneath and I was warm as heck. Right. That those was actually a really good wind idea. tunnels if you didn't. <laughs> For real. So that, that was, I was glad I had them, but I also just love to have them for travel and to be cozy and comfy. This is like the perfect legging. It holds you in, supports you. Yes. It doesn't show any of your underpants and you don't, you don't have, have to, to wear. wear underwear. Yeah. And like, That's not right. like other people say, like for, like for real, like yeah, even right. snakes with two clitorises could probably wear these. <laughs> they could pull these I off. mean, they don't have legs, but. <laughs> right. It's just a one. Just hanging their head out the top. But they have amazing shapewear, shorts, bras, whatever you need. And they even have a dress. And we are thankful for them this holiday season. Makes a great gift. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save up to 50% off site-wide at honeylove.com slash brain candy this month only. Inventory is limited and the sale ends soon. So don't miss their best deals of the year. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about us. I mean them. You have to say... Please support our show. Tell them we sent you. It's time to ditch the underwear for good. Thanks to Honey Love. You know, when they're like, where did you hear about it? You say podcast. I brain love candy. going on to like any of our sponsors. Then when they ask me that and, like, and saying brain candy, like I imagine <laughs> their marketing team then going, hey, we got to go tell the gals at brain candy that they're doing great. And like they, their, their listeners are like getting the good stuff. It and, does matter. Yeah. Right. It's like um, I think of that movie Elf when he had to make those etch sketches and they were like tracking them. How many did you make? <laughs> it's like that, but with our podcast. So help us out That's anyway. Funny. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So snakes are gross. We already knew that. Whatever. Ugh. Um. Okay. Now, would you like to hear? Mm. Ooh, there's so many options. How about there's. I've already talked about it, I think, but there's a great Vice series called The Dark Side of Comedy. Oh, I want to see this. There I really so want to see this. Great episodes. Oh, I'm, I'm nervous to watch it, though. Am I, is, is anybody going to be ruined for me? Am I going to be sad? 
because their documentary Noisy did it to me a little bit about music. What? Oh, you should definitely watch this. Say this again. It's a Vice series called Noisy. Oh, why did it ruin music? Well, they just, it's like the behind the curtain, like you, especially with, uh, like electronic and EDM, like those like club, like, like what they're all sad. They're all depressed. No. Yeah. The DJs. Yeah. Avicii. (sighs) I would be sad too if I had to listen to that crap all the time. Well, you know. I mean, wonder why they're so sad. Sarah, what yeah. drugs? No, I think it's it's that external validation. It's like everybody, oh yeah, wanting because you're party. the party person. Yeah, yeah. And who are you if the you're sad not sad clown? The, yes, that's what this is. So about. that's it. It's the same thing. It's like being the don't like the artist presenting the art. Like mm-hmm. it, the the thing. The reason why we're so moved by comedy, art, uh, music, whatever it is, is because it evokes, it like talks to us somewhere deep, like whether it's surprises us or something unexpected or makes us think in a different way. It like, it like taps into what it is to be a person, like a spiritual yes. thing. Yeah. And in order for somebody to present that, they have to have that person experience which in and of itself is so painful and terrible oh my gosh you're okay so i'm not going to talk about it now but next time i'm going to talk about this article i read about that and comedy and truth and what who is authentic on stage and whatever it's so fascinating but it would take forever to talk about it now but oh i can't wait till next time but you're speaking to the thesis of it which is just like do you have to tell the truth when you're doing comedy and all that <gasps> stuff? Is this about Carlos Mencia? <laughs> no, but that's hilarious. No, he just I just read this article about him because <laughs> he, he was the one who disappeared because of the yeah. same of like yeah. authenticity on Well, the picture in the article was of that Hassan Minaj, you know, because oh, I'm going to see him on Friday. Oh, interesting. I will report back. Okay, because he's yes. been accused of falsifying stories where he experienced racism according to him. Right. And then he basically said, you're full of it. Right. And you don't have, it spoke to the essence of truth. Anyway, whatever. We'll talk about Mm -hmm. it. Oh, I can't, it's going to be interesting. But I love the dark side of comedy series because you can pick whoever you enjoy. And I have always wondered what happened to the female comic, Brett Butler. Do you remember her? She started a sitcom. Yes, I love that show. Right. She was such a badass. She was such a badass. She was so smart, but she had that Southern thing, which Leanne Morgan has. I just think it's funny. Oh, Suze, I was going to text you this. Just yesterday, I woke up with Leanne Morgan as my internal monologue, (laughs) and I only spoke in an accent, and (sighs) everything I said was, well, funnier. Eli wants to do unspeakable things. uh, (laughs) It's like everything was with an accent. Yes. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. Love it. She, what so happened Brett to her? Butler had a sitcom in the nineties called Grace Under Fire and so it was so good, but she was, um, tempestuous, you know, like she was a real fireball and she got fired from it, from her own show. And do you know how much you have to do for a studio to be like, that's it. We're making millions, but we're not going to do this anymore. Like you have to be terrible. 
like but it's usually the women like roseanne and brett that like get actually fired but you do have to really push it pretty far to have that happen and she acknowledges it like she was horrible and you know she suffered from addiction and it's yeah Hollywood's you could see tough. that you could see it yeah so I remember that i couldn't believe it though when at the very beginning like they're sort of setting up the scene and then there she is in the interview and she's like i'm brett butler <gasps> and i hadn't seen her in 20 Whoa, years i want to see that oh and i got goosebumps like, this woman has been through it and she's oh, sober shit. and she's like surviving but i mean this is not like a happy ending really it's like this she is what was, I was saying about how people think Britney different... will be, you know, she gets out no, of her conservatorship. That is and not a happy ending. Nope. That is not a happy ending. And I think that the, where it's complex, where yes, somebody's sober or yes, somebody's free from their legal whatever, but there's still really difficult things going on. Right. Whether Didn't it's you say Adele health. said it when she got sober, she was like, yeah, and life is like boring. I think it's really boring. <laughs> I don't sucks. remember that. I think you said that or something. Really? So Adele. she's sober, but she's like, let me just give she's it to like, you straight. Yeah, it's, it's not boring. Okay. So you I appreciate this. that honesty. I don't remember saying that, but mm. I like it. I'm not saying I didn't, Sarah. No, I forget I mean, stuff you, all the right, time. But like, I talked to like four people. So, you know, maybe it's not you. Right. I'm a prime suspect. Like, yeah. But I do this sometimes where I'm like, hmm. I think that I just really like stories, though, that are a little bit messier, where it isn't just like, and now it's great, because right. this is more of the truth. Like, this is really what life can do to people. Yeah. And we're all vulnerable to it. And she's just having to deal with, the. she'll say it, like the consequences of my behavior. And she has no money, and <gasps> she's just like, got nothing. And she is kind kind of unwell like and so she can't really work oh you know she does a little bit but not too much but not how can right I she think had a go fund me you know oh, just because and everyone's like really you're go funding me fifty thousand dollars and you ha- had 25 million that you like pissed away that's tough right how do you reconcile that right it is really? that because you know, you think when somebody was like famous for it, that that some where they made some good decisions to an invest or save for the future or something, because when you were talking about that Millie Vanilli documentary and you were like, they they got a nice house and I don't know one of them Millie or Vanilli, yeah, it's like yeah. look li- living the good life like still on. I wonder what has to happen for that to be the case. And if it's different with television and movies, like this is why they strike because there could have been some different, uh, I don't know, like how they made their, like what happened, what residuals and all that. Mm -hmm. Well, that was part of it though, is that, you know how you have to get to a hundred episodes and then you are set for life because you have those residuals in the syndication. Yeah. Um, they got to 95 (gasps) and she... Fucked it all up. Oh my god! <laughs> and all the other actors on that show are screwed too because she of her. Holy fuck! So everybody's paying for her. Oh my god! That's you painful. know that's painful. That's painful. It is painful. 
It is almost worse than never having anything at all. You know, taste of honey. Right. Right. All right. So I'm going to introduce the director from Last Stop Larima. So cool. And I keep trying to think, how do I get it across to people (laughs) how great this film is? And here's my pitch. Initially, you go into it with this idea of like Tiger King, wackadoo personalities in this wacky town in Australia. Yeah. And it's a true crime. It's a murder mystery. And it's like Clue. Everyone's a suspect. And it is like what you go in for. And everyone really is a suspect. You're like, everyone is a suspect. I could see them doing it. But what made me moved was that I told him in the interview, I think Earth is the Larima of the universe. Oh, yeah. We are so stupid. We are fighting about meat pies. Right. You a hundred percent. And aliens or God or whoever is looking down being like, get it together. What are you doing? And so for me... When I watch the people in Larima, I don't think like these people are crazy. I think we're all so crazy because mm-hmm. part of what makes people behave like that is something Sarah and I know very well, isolation mm-hmm. and a lack of distraction mm-hmm. that comes from having nothing else to do on the challenge and stuff like that. And it you either have to believe they're crazy and I'm not. Or that you would be just as crazy if you were in their circumstances, which yeah. is what I try to tell people about when you watch reality TV. No, that you will be just as crazy. Yeah. Everybody is. Everybody is. And yeah. then when I found out that he had worked on Fear Factor, it really did make me feel like, okay, I can talk to him about why this connected on the reality TV component yes. and he'll know what I mean. So that was fun. Oh, super cool. If you haven't watched it yet, please do. Because you will get the crazy stuff. You can enjoy just the spectacle of it. Or you can have the same feeling that I did where these people are older. They're looking back on their lives in the way that we talked about with Stallone and thinking, I didn't know how lucky I was or I shouldn't have done that or I got caught up in petty bullshit. Mm -hmm. And now what? Now what do I have? That's Mm -hmm. powerful to me. I will bring him out in a moment. But first, I just want to say that you should all buy Thrive Cosmetics. <laughs> After I talk about my existential struggle, may I suggest some amazing mascara? Yeah. You know, if you're like crying your way through life, why not tube up your <laughs> lashes so that they're not smearing or running? Like I was just going through with it. Like I was, I was cleaning out my makeup bag just today and I was like, oh, this is turquoise, <laughs> turquoise, turquoise. <laughs> Turquoise. Their packaging turquoise. is very distinctive. Turquoise. Oh my what gosh. else? Turquoise. This is all I. This is everything that I. The only. It's all I use. It's so simple, and I've got it down to like five it's products. So boom, boom, boom. That's it. Really nice, high quality stuff. They look great on the mascara. Is the best you'll ever try. They have great lipstick. The brilliant eye brightener. You'll love everything. That's all. Cozy up your look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash brain candy. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash brain candy for 20% off your first order. Because, yeah, they give back. They do uh, 
awesome work in the community. Okay, so welcome to the show, the director of Last Stop Larima, Thomas Tankred. OMG. Okay, Thomas, thank you so much for coming on Brain Candy. This is the best day ever. You're a genius. You know how like men always sit around talking about how each other is a genius, but like you actually are. Your masterpiece is phenomenal. How are you feeling? Are you getting all this love and finally feeling validated? Um, yeah, you know, it feels good when people like it. Uh, I don't know if I'm a genius, you know, a lot of people help me put this thing together, but it's so great to like hear, you know, people like you watched it and they connected with it. It's, yeah, it's great. After five years, you know, it's, it's a good feeling. That is for sure. I don't know how you stuck with it all that time. That is a real labor of love for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But here's why you're so awesome. You were real sneaky because you pulled that bait and switch where it was like, oh, yeah, it's like a whodunit, true crime, whatever. And then next thing I know, I'm like thinking about mortality and <laughs> like my whole life is like existential crisis, whatever. And I just wondered, was that your intention all along to, I know that they have this colorful cast. Yeah. So it welcomes those character. Yeah. Um, you know, the plan was always to... Um like try to make it a portrait of the town and have this, um, you know, murder mystery coincide with it. But uh, a friend of mine who's an editor gave me a really nice compliment saying that like, you always set off trying to make it that like something that's like a portrait with this other thing. And then because of whatever happens, it ends up just being a murder mystery. So I was happy. We still got to get the town and the people and kind of use the murder mystery as like, almost like this engine that's kind of pulling you through the story, which then allows you to then, you know, meet these different characters and, you know, get to know a little bit more about them. Yeah. And get to know <clears throat> ourselves because, because yeah. there, I felt like they are just a reflection of, you know, the human condition. And definitely, I was thinking about how, you know, you end up thinking like, I can't believe they, they're fighting about meat pies or whatever. Yeah. And then I thought, how, don't you feel like Earth is sort of like the Larima of the universe and we're down here fighting about the dumbest stuff and missing like yeah. the big picture, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's true. I think, you know, it's such a small town and they've all been there for so long and, you know, they moved there to get away from society pretty much. Um, and they probably, you know, at the beginning, it was this little idyllic little kind of like micro society, but, you know, over time... You know, I almost think of it as like the like a high school with like the oldest people ever, you know, and like they're just bickering over stuff that, you know, maybe to some people won't mean a lot, but to them, it's their whole world. So that was a big part of it. Of just seeing how like over the time, these relationships were fractured and sides were chosen. And um, yeah, I'm just really happy that like what you're saying, like you connected with that whole thing, like the whole time during making it i'm i was just thinking you know it's such a strange thing that you know like why did patty move to that town like why that night you know there's so many just like where weird kind of like serendipitous things that happened that sadly led to him going missing you know it's just all these things one after another so do you yeah. think that it's the case that if you're the kind of person who would be attracted to that kind of life in a small teeny tiny remote yeah. place that you you're maybe not great at getting along with other people. 
No, you know, I think here's what I think. And, you know, this is just my thinking. on. I think that the way you and I are like, I live in Los Angeles. Do you live in Los Angeles? Not anymore. No, Um, not not anymore. But anyway, we're still in America and we have our phones and we have traffic and we have all these things that we're kind of dealing with all the time. And I think what happens there is you have less stuff to kind of muddle your mind. So these little fights that happened, you know, 10 years ago are still in the forefront. Right. And, you know, like, for example, you know, Bobby and Carl live right across the street from Barry. And they both really do not like each other. So imagine, you know, for 20 years having to see your enemy every day. You know, every time you walk out of the house, you have to look up and see that person. You know, so I think a lot of it just comes with the close proximity of how they all live. Yeah. I was thinking, too, because I read that you have a background in reality TV, as do I. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, I know this might sound like a stretch, but the situation that they're in is not unlike when we're stuck in the house, you know, in the real world of the challenge or whatever. Right. That is a that is a great point. I never thought of that. Yeah, no, that is that is a great point. Um, you know, drama happens quicker when you're stuck in a place together. And you have um, yeah. nothing else to do and no yeah, yeah. internet or whatever. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's actually a really good way of thinking of it. Um yeah, it's funny because yeah, they all are there and you know, they did try to get along for a while, but you know, circumstances they chose sides and kind of led to what happened. Right. And when people often watch our shows, they think these people are animals. <laughs> They're so uncivilized and what is yeah. wrong with them? But I kind of related to these people in a way, you know, for that yeah, reason. No, that is so funny you say that because now I'm like thinking back on like other friends I've worked with on shows and, you know, even, you know, let's say The Bachelor. It's like I've heard like people who come off that show are just like, what was I thinking? <laughs> like, you know, like, why was I in love with that person? But it is. It's like you're just there and the yeah. drama grows. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. it's Narnia and you get hung up on dumb petty nonsense yeah but there's they're not different we're all like this we just aren't usually in that particular situation i think exactly and then the other thing too it's like you know nobody would have ever heard of them or this situation unless you know something terrible happened like patty went missing you know like you know i'm sure these fights are you know the fights that happen in every little town across the world when i was thinking well because after i watched your film for three times then I start like reading the TripAdvisor reviews of the yeah. Panther Hotel and all that. And then I realized that Patty's disappearance was big news for some reason. Even like it, the Washington Post was covering the trial aspect and the when the uh-huh. evidence came out more recently yeah. with the recordings. And I just yeah. wondered why you think that might be. Why was it so compelling? I mean, I think it is just the kind of Agatha Christie aspect of the story of, you know, a town of 10 people, one goes missing. um, They're all suspects, you know, like that line instantly kind of jumps out at you. That's what uh, jumped out at me when I first read about it. You know, I was just scrolling through Twitter and I saw that headline and, uh, you know, I grew up in the States, but both my parents are from Australia. So I instantly like was like, whoa, what is this story? Um, But yeah, and then I just think, you know, for me personally, it was then I started going down the rabbit hole and I started seeing these characters and the (laughs) residents and what they and like what they were like. And also that, you know, I think they have less of a filter 
probably than some of us have. Yeah. Which, um, and also this kind of gallows humor, like what was really interesting to me, like as I was going there for the first time and meeting these people and interviewing them, like, you know, a lot of them didn't like Patty. And, you know, I think in the States, there's kind of this, you know, don't speak ill of the dead thing. And there it's almost like it didn't exist. Um, <laughs> they were happy to tell me, you know, every bad thing and that happened between them, which I found very interesting. I find it kind of refreshing, to be honest. Yeah, 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 totally. I know it's not polite, but it's the truth. Yeah, totally. It's their truth, at least, you know? Yeah, and why, you know, change your story because somebody went missing? You know, it is kind of refreshing that they didn't change uh, what they're saying. And, like, that's kind of, there's one part in the film where Fran is kind of saying, you know, the news is kind of saying Patty was this great guy, and she's like, you know, I'm not sure if I can curse, but, you know, like, bullshit. You know, these people are not, or, like, Patty is not this great guy who everybody loved. Huh. Um, which I feel he was kind of uh, portrayed that way uh, when the news first hit. It's funny to me, though, that maybe they like people are he's both right. He was charming. And yes, 100 percent. And I'm yeah. And I'm so happy you said that, too, because when I say stuff like, you know, he was like whatever, a jerk, like we're all jerks. Right. Yeah, like, we right. can be good one day. We can be bad the next. And I think that's a really important thing about this story is. What I kind of think is like, I think Patty would have been like a really great friend to have, you know, but I think if he didn't like you, I know he could be pretty scary. So yeah. I think it's just which side of the fence you sat with, with uh, Patty. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's part of why I think you are so brilliant and the work that you did was so important was because it, there isn't a, a villain a clear, yeah. you know, bad guy, good guy situation. Yeah. And that's the truth of life, man. That yeah, totally. Both. Yeah. And, you know, going back to like what we were talking about er earlier too, it's like, you know, I've been working in unscripted, you know, since I graduated college. And the thing that happens a lot is you have these great kind of character pieces that you make as you're creating a show. And a lot of them just get cut out because you just need to get to like whatever side thing or whatever is happening. And that's why I'm happy we were, we were allowed to actually kind of settle with these characters and get to know them, them and hopefully like them. Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel that the story progressed in a way that you predicted or did you feel like it kept going sideways and you didn't see it coming? Oh, it kept going. It kept changing. <laughs> um, you know, as I said, you know, in the realm of documentary, you know, I know five years isn't a lot to work on something, but um, yeah, it was constantly changing, you know, and also, you know, people would tell me one thing and I had to kind of think, do I trust this person? You know, mm -hmm. like one of the residents would tell me one thing and then one of the residents would tell me something else. And that's what I like about the film, too, is that you're hearing their perspectives, right? It's yeah. like there isn't like one solid truth, you know, you have one perspective, I have one. Well, let's hear both and let the viewer kind of decide on uh, which one they believe. Because personally, like that's my favorite type of doc, you know, I, I remember the first time watching uh, Capturing the Freedmen's and that's mm. a great one where you are fighting yourself in your head the whole time. You're like, oh, my God, this guy did it. Oh, my God, he didn't do it. He's a nice guy. Oh, wait, he did do it, you know? So I yeah. really like that kind of back and forth that you can play with yourself. But it's not easy to do. It was masterful how you accomplished it. And I was very grateful for, um, in particular, Richard, the, his role in it for me as a viewer it just felt helpful. <laughs> 
and he drove yeah. narrative at different points. And I thought, I'm so glad he's here to tell us this stuff. I don't know why. It's just I connected with yeah. his telling. This is like, just, you know, this is very cool for me to hear because I haven't talked to many people about the film yet. And my favorite, let's just call it character in the film might be Richard because he almost has the biggest arc in a way where you meet him and he's, some people think he's scary and I would show early cuts to the film and people would like, Oh, you got to get rid of that Richard guy. He's too scary. And I was like, well, no, like he's, he's great. And also I hope by the end of the film, you kind of have the realization that like, okay, maybe this guy has had his problems in the past, but also he's just been through a ton, you know, and I hope you kind of feel that. So that's, I'm very thankful that you kind of felt that. I did. My perception of him was that he was maybe the most self-aware. He he was he's no dummy, that's uh-huh. for sure. And he had sort of this way of describing this, this situation that was outside of it. Yeah, I mean, he is. Yeah, he is a very very smart guy. And I think with that kind of gruff, you know, exterior, people will think one thing about him, which a lot of us do about a lot of people. Um, but you know, like one of the funniest moments in making the film, um, there's a section in the film where we kind of do this kind of funny, kind of like time travel-y thing with Richard, where he's saying Lara, which uh, Lara Moe's like, and, um, I always had that thing where he starts talking about like liquid going through sodium pentothal and it slows it down. And I was like, what is he talking about? (laughs) I was like, and then I was like, is he just making this up? And then I started doing research. And then in the film, I found that YouTube video made by Harvard where they pretty much exactly say what he's saying. And I was like, whoa, Richard is actually on to something here. So, yeah, um, Richard, you know, Richard was one. Of, he was the last resident that we got to. Um, mm. He didn't want to talk to us for, I, I would say, years or a year. Um, he's kind of nomadic. Nobody mm. really knows where he lives. Um, but our producer, uh, Rebecca Saunders, um, she tracked him down and, um, it was a very interesting thing because we, you know, most of the time filming, we were in the Northern territory, which is obviously the North, North of Australia, but he's in Western Australia. So we flew there kind of like he said he would be there and I was hoping he would be there. And then all of a sudden he was like, pulled our Uh, Becca uh, like hey meet me at this place and he was just there and I was like wow he's actually here and then I uh, got got into the car with him and that footage you see in the film with like him driving like that's just me with the camera sitting there and he was driving so fast that he lost our crew so then part of me was like oh my god where is this guy taking me I I just met this guy Um, but yeah I know I really I really like Richard and I'm so thankful that he allowed us to interview him and kind of show us around where he lived. Yeah. And I think it's a real testament to the care that you gave to everything that they all trusted you and opened up to you because that was critical Mm -hmm. to the storytelling is having them be candid. Right. Yeah. And I think the, one of the keys with that was, you know, we got there kind of after the dust settled, Mm -hmm. um, after the media had been there kind of like annoying everybody and also, you know, the key thing there was, too, was, was to keep the crew, like, super-duper small. So it was only 
me, maybe, you know, a producer or two, and then just the Aussie crew that we got there. Shout out to them, Jesse Goyer Fleet, who was our DP, uh, who kind of like uh, wrangled this whole crew. And uh, so there was maybe, you know, five of us there, six of us there. And slowly we just got to know the people. You know, one mm. of the interesting things is, you know, the first person who agreed to talk to me was Barry. And um, uh, Barry said he talked to me. And then I got there and he was the only friend that would talk to me. So, but none of Patty's friend other of friends Patty. would talk, yeah. but, but all of his enemies would talk to me. <laughs> so I found that really funny at first that like the only person that would, you know, would talk to me were his enemies. But then slowly as, you know, it's such a small town, they would see me, you know, filming B-roll and I just go over and say, hi, talk to them. And by the end, it was just like, Tom, you know, coming for a cup of tea. Oh, next time, you know, don't even stay at the hotel, stay at our place. You know, like they really were just like the kindest group of people. Do you, have you received feedback from them about their thoughts? Yes. Oh my God. And I was so terrified. I um, would be too. Yeah. Cause you know, they, you know, they allowed me, you know, into their lives and told me kind of their secrets. And I was really, you know, I'm not, you know, black hearted where I'm just like, I don't care. I'm going to make a film about these people. So yeah, I've heard from a couple of them and they're all just like, they really like it. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're all really like kind of like you did a great job just kind of showing us and we're appreciative of you coming here and telling our story. Um, I think part of it is, is that, you know, it's not just a murder mystery. It's about the town and the people. And I think they're appreciative of that. But yeah, that was like when I first got the email from one of the residents, I was like, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> and then I read it and I was like, OK, cool. Thank God yeah. they liked it. Right. And I imagined whenever I was watching that final segment um, with, I still call Australia my home. I could cry right yeah. now. I do. I get emotional at that section every time because I think if I was one of those residents and I was watching this, I would be really emotional because you provide this retrospective of their mm -hmm. life and yeah where they came from and where they are now. And that thing that we're all going to have to face of looking back and like, yeah. maybe you have regrets or maybe, I don't know, it's heavy. And yeah, so yeah. Do, don't you think they probably saw that and felt like it was special? It's nice to have a soundtrack to your life. Yeah. And I think one of the keys is it's, you know, is ending the film on a slightly positive note. Uh, that was always like important to me early on. I would uh, kind of joke with uh, Becca and our editor that, you know, uh, I forget which film it is. It's like uh, something about Mary where they end with like, you know, outtakes of like, fill right. me up buttercup. Fill me and I'm up, like, well, right. You know, like we can't do that, but how can we still make it happy? And, you know, I get emotional watching that scene because like, you know, my parents are both from Australia. Uh, my dad's no longer around and my mom has Alzheimer's. But mm. that was like, that was like the song growing up that like, if I turn that on, like my mom would just start crying. No. So like, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like my little kind of love, love letter to my parents at the end there. Just so it's like, beautiful. Uh, yeah. And it's, and then, but <sighs> go ahead. Sorry. The, no, no. But uh, the other thing that's kind of tricky about that song is, I was really scared how the Australians would react to that um, oh. because it's kind of like not a hokey song in Australia, but it's like 
when you fly Qantas, like it's just playing. <laughs> it's just playing like an instrumental version of it. So I was scared, like, oh my God, is like, are they going to hate this song? But I think in the context of the story, it does work at the end. Yeah. And musically, even just the very few first few bars of it, you realize, okay, we're going to have a yeah. moment here. Yeah. It's beautiful. I just, I can't even tell you, but. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but it also, it's not like you're saying it, we, it wasn't too light. The levity was just enough because what it's doing is saying like the life continues and people, yeah. you know, their lives end and new people are there and that's the wheels yeah, of life. The, right. Yeah. The like eternal circle of everything and, the, and like the regrowth of the population and, you know, and a lot of it is kind of maybe looking back on like life, like exactly what you're saying. Like, did I make the right choices? Now I'm here, you know? Yes. And who, yeah. are you, am I going to forgive or, you know, like, um, Billy has, has yeah. new feelings of affection, you know, good yeah. terms with a resident that wasn't the case in the beginning of the film. Right. Yeah, no, I love that at the end that he's living back at Fran's place and they have kind of like made up a bit and, um, you know, he's living in the place where he was kicked out of and he's still kind of thinking about her, you know, it really is like very, very cute. Like I love his, he still loves her, you know, he yeah. truthfully does. Yeah. Oh and my no matter, God, it's too much. Yeah, I can't take the, it. Yeah, okay. All the stuff they've been through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you did a wonderful job. Um, Thank you. What I want to know also, just logistically, is how yeah. these people, like, pay their bills? Um, I don't exactly know that. <laughs> I mean, th that's they, the real you know, mystery. Like, that, you know, like, the pub is also a post office, so they can send out their mail through there. I mean, all of them own their places, so there's no, like, renting of stuff. So, hmm. um, yeah, but, I mean, they all just kind of, like, the thing I always find funny about the film or about the residents is like most of them just kind of popped in for a beer and never left. And, that, <laughs> right. and like, I, and then I just love the idea of that. of just like stopping in in a town and just being like, yeah, I'm going to spend the rest of my life here. You know, I always <laughs> find that so, so funny. Well, in thinking about like the, the thing that I mentioned earlier about the reality TV component and the way yeah. that a, a director or producer has to provoke the, person on camera to share their story or to share their point of view. Yeah. But then like you're left at the end with whatever you've, the footage you get and the interviews you get. And then yeah. to what extent, like, can you determine the narrative? I'm fascinated by it, obviously, because I, my life has been portrayed yeah. in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. It's like, you know, at, as you know, uh, you know, I have worked in unscripted for a while and, um, you know, the, the reason why I kind of wanted to get out of the unscripted realm I was in is because you're forcing it a lot. You know, you're telling this person, this person, this person meet mm -hmm. at this location, talk about this yeah, and it's, and it's forced. And I wanted to be more verite. So, you know, I did have my list of questions. I did have certain things I wanted to get to. But, you know, in the construction of it, you know, we're not, you know, faking anything. Yeah, it's you know, not it's contrived. Like, yeah, yeah. It's not, you know, putting words in people's mouths. Like the thing I like that happens a couple of times in the film, it's like somebody's kind of talking about a subject and then another character kind of finishes.
finishes it off because they're <laughs> kind of have the same or different uh, perspective on things. So yeah, that was a key part of it of just like not forcing it, just sitting with these people, just letting them know that like, I'm, you know, I don't really have an objective here. I'm just trying to make something and, you know, I'm trying to figure it out just like they are that. Mm -hmm. And I think they, and I think they understood that. Yeah. And again, they must have trusted you to share so openly yeah. or again, yeah. I'm sure they're being uncensored type of people. doesn't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that definitely helped. Do you feel but, like, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say like logistics wise. Um, for us, it was really hard because, you know, I live in America <laughs> and this is so far away. So we would, you know, fly to Australia, which is, you know, 13, 16 hours and then hop on a connecting flight that was like four or five hours and then have to drive six hours. And then our first trip there, we uh, were going to shoot 4K. And, you know, I talked to a bunch of people. They're like, OK, if you buy, you know, this amount of hard drive, you should be good to go. And then our first day we shot so much, uh, our DP came up to me, uh, Jesse, and he was like, hey, man, we can't shoot 4K anymore. And I was like, well, can't we just go to the closest, like, whatever, Best Buy? And he was like, <laughs> Best Buy. it'll be like, you know, six hours there, six hours back. So no, you know, so like that was an interesting part of filming in a location like this, too. And also, I originally wanted to film with a certain camera. And Jesse grew up in that area um, and he'd shot something up there fairly recently before I came. And he said, no, we can't shoot on that camera because recently I shot there and like the body of the camera melted. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. So we had to use like a heavier duty uh, camera. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the end, I suppose the, the way you got access, ha having it be so remote and like nobody else having gotten there yet is uh -huh. then what <laughs> made it challenging. Yeah. 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 Thank you. What 100%. do you think it was that made it appealing to the Duplass brothers? Why do you think it was a good fit? Um, you know, it's so funny. It's like when I first found this story, I wanted it to, I wanted to somehow get to them mm. um, just because I loved Wild Wild Country. I loved Evil Genius. And I just liked the idea of doing it at not a giant kind of like, I don't know, uh, more kind of like suited up place, let's call it. Um, <laughs> So uh, I think it was just, you know, the Agatha Christie aspect of, of it. I know Mark originally like really kind of uh, really liked that too. And then also originally we're trying to almost like tell like a Rashomon version of the story where you're hearing like one person's version, and that person's version, and that kind of evolved over time. But yeah, I mean, when I first had kind of a sizzle reel, um, or like a sales reel, I would go around and have meetings and I met them. And it was like one of those fun experiences I'll always remember. Cause it like, it's not a giant, you know, crazy building. Uh, you know, <laughs> they're just, it's very, uh, intimate where they work. And I went up in the attic of where they work and it's like Mark Duplass sitting on a couch, like, Hey man, how's it going? That's so cool. Um, so like instantly it just felt like the right fit. Yeah. <sighs> That's so good. I, I just hope that you realize that all your hard work was worth it and that it's such a special thing that you did. Cause I know it took a long time and there's probably a lot of days where you were like sick of it. Oh yeah. There were many times. No, it's thank you so much. I mean, it's so cool to speak to somebody like you who the film, like, you know, connected with and just talking to you. It's, yeah. That, that's, that's just like the best feeling. I just hope you keep making stuff. Cause you are 
so good at it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank have, you. Hopefully I get to. We have one question we ask everybody, yeah. which is, what do you keep in the trunk of your car? Do you have a car? The trunk of my car? Um, let's <laughs> see. Well, I've got two little kids, so there's usually, there's like an extra Patagonia jacket yeah. that, the, that the kids use as a pillow. There's usually a scooter, a basketball. Yes. And I think that's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing, it's nothing like, uh, truly exciting. No, it's usually like indicative of where people are in their life, so we think it's a fun thing to find out. Yeah, no, I that's know, a good question. I know what you mean. I got a scooter in the back of mine too. Yeah. Kid thing. Yeah, but of course. You're wonderful. I will never stop singing your praises. I hope everybody sees your film and just keeps clapping for you. Well, well thank you so much for having me on. And yeah, it was so cool to talk to you. Thank you. You're off the hook. 